0: What's up everybody, I'm Mike Wilson with Any AnyHour Services and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating or air conditioning system, you can find AnyHour
1: Services on Facebook, YouTube or online at AnyHourServices.com. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time. But the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact Cordell, Cordell Cordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
0: Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. This is Book Review Friday. My co-host, Ryan Clements.
1: There's some type of constraint in here. That, that is breaking down the process. Or, or we have some, something here which is impacting uh, our profit in some way.
0: This is another episode of Innovation and in Leadership. Today we're going to be picking from the 400 plus books on business, marketing, and strategy that we've read and talking about one of them that we feel like can have a big impact on innovators and entrepreneurs as they try to invent the future. As always, in addition to learning from the show, we hope you'll consider clicking on the Child Rescue tab on our website, iCollective.co to see how you can help change the life of a child that's been rescued from abuse and trafficking. Also, we love all of you who have been emailing to tell us what parts of the episodes you really liked or, or what was helpful to you. And to everybody else, if you have time, we'd love to hear from you. Just send me an email at stories at iCollective.co. And now on to the episode. Ryan, thanks for being on the show.
1: No problem. Glad to be here.
0: So, uh, Ryan, just as a bit of an introduction to the audience, you know who maybe have been listening to some of our other interviews, uh, can you give us just a quick background on yourself and uh, your career background to this point?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm uh, an entrepreneur and uh, also a lawyer, and also I guess to describe myself as an entrepreneurial lawyer. I advise a lot of startups, uh, both on the legal and strategic side. I've been involved in entrepreneurialism really for about the last uh, 10 years. I'm also a published author and um, I do a lot, of, a lot of speaking, including a TED Talk, and I really you know fascinated by topics of innovation and and uh, how they they apply so this um, ideation collective as we review these books is going to be a great thing and and hopefully a, a really cool resource to entrepreneurs
0: Well, I was super stoked when you wanted to do the show with me because you're one of my friends that you're one of my only friends that reads more than me and uh, so many of my you know so many top books that I've read were ones that you read first and said, hey, do you know this book yet? I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah. what is it? It's like candy. So
1: yeah. um, uh, it is a bit of an addiction, but it's a powerful thing. I, I think entrepreneurs need to be learners. It's a, it's a lifelong commitment. And so it's something that's very, very important.
0: Well, ideally, you know, the premise of these shows is going to be a bit of a book review um, and, and much more of a how have you used it? How have I used it? How have we seen our other friends use it? Um, and and hopefully encourage more people to you know get reading or become audiobook addicts or or whatever it takes to get the uh, the skill sets and the perspective to help them achieve what they're trying to achieve. Absolutely. So um, for today, uh, let's talk about here. What book do you want to start with?
1: Well, I thought I thought we should start with Good to Great. I think Good to Great's uh, a book uh, that a lot of the listeners probably will have read. Um, we'll start out with something pretty. Pretty foundational, and and then over time, I think we can kind of look at maybe books that people aren't as familiar with. Um, Good to Great uh, by Jim Collins, um, who also has written a number of bestsellers. Jim Collins is a, is a, a faculty member at Stanford. He's written uh, Built to Last, for example, um, and I just thought Good to Great is is a foundation foundational book for entrepreneurs to read. Kind of kind of your your must reads. I think it would be in my Top five, uh, for sure, for entrepreneurial picks.
0: And, you know, one thing we didn't cover is you now teaching university. Um, How much flexibility do you have when you're choosing books for the students, by the way? Is it mostly textbook or do you have like, hey, guys, I recommend this additionally?
1: Yeah, so I teach a um, class on entrepreneurial law uh, at the University of Alberta Faculty of Law. And we definitely have a foundational text that, that we use with not as much latitude in there. But one of the things that I'm I'm doing is, and it's it's actually interesting that uh, it very much coincides with this. I, I try to uh, uh, give usually a book a class um, to the students. Now a lot of the students are going to end up being um, advisors, not necessarily kind of frontline entrepreneurs, but some some will and some are currently um but even as advisors and i think a lot of our listeners will fit into this too is they they may be just you know tangentially related in the entrepreneurial sector so maybe they're not directly a principal in a startup or a, or you know um, really involved in it but but they're involved in the advising of it and i think even a, a, advisors needs to need to really understand entrepreneurial mindset and uh, methodology and so I actually give uh, a book a class and it's actually very well received. It, it's something that, you know, keeps me current by constantly looking for these new, new books, but also, you know, engaging the dialogue as the students start to read them. So it's, it's a really positive thing.
0: Great. I know it's a bit of a tangent. Um, do you anticipate this being a book that you would advise even for the, the entrepreneurial lawyers?
1: Yeah, well, I, I've actually already advised this book in, in classroom context. Yeah, 100%. You know, whether it be you're a lawyer or a banker, or in, involved in finance or accounting or any of these kind of uh, service industries that assist in or consulting that assist in, in the context of a startup, or perhaps you're working in in VC or private equity or some type of a institutional investment context, um, good to great. In particular, even if you you know even if you're corporate, even if you're in management, you're corporate. Um, you know, the the I don't think you can avoid this text. Really, like the the subtitle, Why Some Companies Make the Leap and Others Don't. Um, it's really fascinating. Studying what what really caught me uh, by this book is some of the underlying assumptions that I had going into. Like I probably read this book for the first time, geez, probably seven or eight years ago at least. And um I remember my assumptions going into this book about what like what is it about certain companies that allow them to stand the test of time you know compared to other companies and i had a few i guess default impressions that that turned out actually to not really be the case and and jim stanford part of the reason i like this his, uh, book in all of his books for that matter is he takes a very quantitative approach he's looking at a lot of companies a lot of data <laughs> You know, it's not just anecdotal and anecdotes can be great and anecdotes can be inspiring. But but I think a lot of us, particularly those of us who are living in the entrepreneurial space, we want some hard data. We we, we want more than just a feel good story. We want some substance and some evidence really behind what we're looking at. And when the evidence kind of came to the surface on this book and and, uh, you know, the the principles that, that he articulates based on that evidence, some of them were a little surprising to me, to be honest with you. And, and I've and I've used them uh, and, and I've seen other companies and clients or different companies that I'm involved with use them and, and to a lot of success.
0: Well, I was, ha- you know, I know we're going to be alternating choosing the books to talk about and I was really happy that you'd pick this one for our first one. Um, I think, uh, you know, for those people who don't know, the book is based on approximately 29,000 hours of research yeah. that, that, his team, uh, that his team did. And, um, you know, a lot of great business books out there where they talk about a principle and then they tell you a story that backs it up and you feel very emotionally committed to the story. Yeah. And then after a while, maybe weeks or months later, you're thinking about the principle and you're thinking, well, there is a story that supports it. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. What about overall probabilities, right? Yeah. And, and I agree with you massively on you know the principles here. Um, you know when they cover so many decades of actual stock market returns. You know it doesn't give you an anecdotal. This so- this sale was one, or an anecdotal. Mm-hmm. These mm-hmm. guys did good for this amount of time. They they put those real standards of. They had to be, you know, this mediocre, and then they had to do this much better for this long. It couldn't just be yes. a blip, right? It had to yes. be a literal transition there. Yeah. Um, it's easier to have faith,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's easier to create a little bit of a distorted picture when you're dealing with a short time frame. And it's easy to look at something that might be correlative and say it's it's the cause, when it may not be the cause because we haven't looked at a long enough time frame to, to really determine what the true underlying cause is. But but after a, a certain amount of time, you you can't a- avoid um Certain things, and so sure. so yeah, I think that that's just what's foundational about this book is it looks at, at a long period of time over many many, many companies and and looked because we're not just looking at okay well what's in this book isn't about what's the best way to raise money or what's the best way to get get your idea funded or anything that that might be short term it's it's how to actually stand the test of time and how is, is he defines it is actually. Through different founder transitions, too. Like the occult no of personality. Yeah. You know, and that maybe that's just the first part to, to jump in. That was one of my most surprising findings um, about this book. He calls it First Who, Then What about the importance of human capital and, and how, you know, to, to jump into some lean methodology language, how, how these, these pivots will often happen so frequently um that that um having a a really core group of individuals um uh, can become really critical rather than just kind of the single visionary founder and i think in a lot of our our business literature and 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 with you know social media and everything right now we have a tendency to kind of lionize certain business leaders and, and put them on a pedestal and 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 say that the success of of an entity is because of the dynamic personality of, of of an individual, and that might be the case in some cases. But but it seems like the the data over you know the extensive review of the companies that he did actually suggested the opposite that that the cult of personality companies struggled often past yeah. the founder transition period. Well,
0: um, we're going to take turns talking about ways that we've applied things from these different mm-hmm. books. We'll talk about. Can you think about a specific, a specific thing that's taught in the book? Maybe you know the page number. Maybe you don't. Can you talk yeah. about something of you know whether it's? You've, I know you've done a lot on digital. Obviously, you've done a lot in person in multiple countries and different continents. Yeah. Um, can you pick an, an actual principle you can say, "I'll tell you what"? When you know me and my business partner were working on this, we went back to good to great, and I picked up you know something
1: like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the part that I think has been the, the most impactful to my experience as an entrepreneur and my um, experience advising and working with other entrepreneurs has actually been the principle. It's chapter four, and it deals with a story with Admiral Jim Stockdale. And the, <laughs> the uh, principle is called uh, confront the brutal facts, yet never lose faith. Now, you know, I think in a a book in the future, I think we might dip into some some stoicism literature and other things like that, because I think it's very impactful for for entrepreneurs. But but I was particularly interested in this story. And then as I've applied it over and over, I've seen just how valuable it is. And so just, you know, in quick summary fashion, the story is, is Jim Collins found himself um, in conversation with Admiral Jim Stockdale, who is one of the most decorated naval officers in the history of the uh, United States military. I mean, vice Admiral Jim Stockdale and he was held captive in Vietnam uh, for many years. And um, I think he was the highest decorated officer uh, who was held captive um, in Vietnam. And uh, when he was speaking with him, he had the chance to kind of ask Admiral Stockdale what what made the difference you know what and, and, I, and i believe from from just my recollection of the book he started with with the question of who didn't survive and that was answered by admiral stockdale as the optimists didn't survive now when i was reading this i thought this is a, this is a fascinating yeah this is not what well, i expected yeah, it's not what i'm expecting because i'm thinking and and i and i like you know i, I like the, you know, thinking positive, magic of thinking big. You know, I like I, I like that stuff. I I have no nothing disparaging to say about about the positive mindset. But but this turned me into something this kind of realism dynamic in the context of entrepreneurialism. So he said, the optimist didn't survive. Okay. And but then he said, okay, well, well, what was the what was the secret then to to your survival? And and Admiral Stockdale said something to the effect of well, I never lost hope, and, and and that confused Jim Collins. He said, "Well, I'm I'm getting kind of a mixed signal here. You're you're saying that the optimist didn't survive, but
0: you always knew you were going to make it.
1: Yeah, you always knew you were going to make it. You never lost hope. Can, can you clarify what what you mean here?" And, and he says, "Yes, you you have to be able to to be able to separate this idea of of optimism, like I'm going to be saved by." Easter or they're going to get us out of here by Christmas or the war is going to be over within 6 weeks with the discipline to confront the brutal facts of your current setting and and to be able to accept those brutal facts as they are saying you know what we might not get out by Christmas I mean, easter might come and easter might go or or even more dramatic you know I, I i might be i might have to deal with some physical discomfort torture whatever they had to deal with the ability at the same time, and this principle has actually been called the Stockdale paradox, which is the ability to hold these two contradicting forces together at the same time, which is the the willingness to accept the brutal facts of your current reality with uh, a hope that that, that it will get better, that you can change this. And so how I see this, Applying to entrepreneurs is, and, and Collins goes through this in great detail. Is, you know, it's one thing to to look at your business and to have this positive mindset and say, you know, you know everything's going to be great or we're we're going to do it and you just kind of think big and put up your vision board, you know, and and look at your goals. But at some point, you, you got to cut through the fluff and you say, Well, we might have some deficiencies in our product, or or we we have a system we're not shipping correctly, or we have a system <clears throat> a that, that that isn't leading to kind of seamless automation, or 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 there's some constraint right there's some type of constraint in here that that is breaking down the process, or, or we have some something here which is impacting uh, our profit in some way. And a willingness to really examine that objectively okay, and, and deal with that rather than just constantly looking at things in, in a kind of a rose-colored glasses, right? Like like distorting it in a way and, and thinking that, oh, it's all going to get better. Well, it's not going to get better unless we confront the brutal facts about why it's not working.
0: Yeah, I'm so stoked that you brought up this principle. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I know we've got uh, Ryan Holliday's the obstacle is the way on deck. That's, that's the one that's coming up right away for the listeners in the, in the yep. coming weeks. Uh, I, I've become a big fan of stoicism and the story you were talking about is actually what got me into it. Since then I went on to read, you know, courage under fire testing, uh, Epictetus, you know, the, yes. his book or thoughts of a philosophical yeah. fighter pilot by, uh, Stockdale. P.S. Yep. How, how awesome is it that his real name is James Bond Stockdale? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Like this is a good start. Um, but I will say, and, and I'd love to talk about application, you know, um, I, I will say that I find the less experienced the entrepreneur that I work with, the more likely that they want to go for blind faith, almost like fortune telling that they know everything's going to be okay because they've decided they think it's going to be okay, Yeah. rather than facing the brutal facts of like, we don't have a crystal ball, we don't have mind control, and it's okay to have faith that we're going to win the game and be honest that we like faith that we're going to win the season, but we might lose the game.
1: Yeah. You know, Yeah, for sure. It, yeah. hundred percent. And, and I, I think what the difference is, is this idea of emotional attachment. What, mm. what I find with a lot of first time entrepreneurs is they, they put their heart into it, but they attach their heart to it as well. Where, a more seasoned entrepreneur is much willing to, to carve it up. You know, they're, they're, they're much more willing to, to detach their ego and their emotions from the idea, you know, and, and really, really test it because they know that the marketplace is going to do it anyway. So, so they might as well completely get over that at that point. And, and they, they know that, that it's not a matter of what they want. It's a matter of what works and what and what's right. And and I think that that's that's the key is like a seasoned and successful entrepreneur will still maintain hope and optimism, you know, because they're 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 not in the business to not have that. They they're going to maintain that, but they do it in I think almost the best context. The way to describe it is almost like a scientific method, where there's not a lot of emotional attachment, you know. They they're able to look at it objectively. They're able to keep iterating. They're 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 open to to finding. They're they're looking for the solution that works. Okay, and and if it means that it's it's something that they didn't see, or maybe it's something that came from someone else, it doesn't really matter. They're 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 not tied. They don't haven't tied their emotions to it as much. Well, and I think that that's what this principle really highlights.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you. You know, I think about. I was twenty four years old. Um, had left Citigroup's mergers and acquisitions and was selling a real estate investment,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I, I like had my, <clears throat> I had like my identity wrapped up in its success. Yeah, and <clears throat> when some really disturbing things came to light about the management team later on, uh-huh. and the whole thing was falling apart,
1: I was mm-hmm. a catastrophe. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. It. It. Um uh I'll jump in while you you know you grab a drink <laughs> i i i think i think one of the best ways at least that i've experienced for me um to get over that is to fail the the fear of failure becomes significantly discounted once you've failed or and in, the word failure has all this baggage attached to it. And and I think a seasoned entrepreneur doesn't look. It looks at it more as like iteration or experimentation or knowledge, you know, or education. We we kind of associate a different context to that word. But but when you're able to to kind of go through something, and and despite your best efforts, it not materialize in the way that you wanted it to be. And that can mean a lot of different things. It could mean but you that, survive. Yeah, you, exactly. You survive. But then you have the chance to look at it um, and just think objectively and just think, well, what, what was the issue with this? Like, well, why didn't I achieve my goal? And you're able to take that very analytical approach to it. Um, and, and this is what Stockdale is saying about the brutal facts and, and your ability to confront the brutal facts. Um, and it seems like it gets easier and easier and easier. So I guess for in terms of application, um, for those of you who are first-time entrepreneurs, try to try to confront the brutal facts as quickly as possible. You know, be be open to to this and, and and if a an advisor or a mentor or someone in your network who may might say something, don't don't discount necessarily what they say. Now, this ties in a little bit to because sometimes people will say, "Well, what about, you know, the the visionary uh Context or you know, someone will quote Steve Jobs or something like that. And 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 then even look at even at GoGiver, let, let's kind of use some of the stuff even in GoGiver where where he talked about like the hedgehog concept, which is you know, you're you're deeply passionate about something. You you can be the best in the world at something, and it drives your economic engine. And right in the middle is that hedgehog concept, right? And so, you know maybe someone's looking at your business and they're confronting the brutal facts and they're mi- wanting you to deviate from that hedgehog context. And so I, I think sometimes the challenge the new entrepreneurs will face is like, how do I balance the, this idea of hedgehog, this idea of well, I'm deeply passionate about this versus um, confronting the brutal facts paradox?
0: And, so, so do you have a personal example? Can you think of a? Can you think of a time when you've been guns a blazing, and mm-hmm. you've had to like bring that dose of reality of like hoping isn't going to make it so, or or know? just
1: yeah, or, or just maybe having the wrong set of tools um, uh, to 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 do it. Um, yeah, I was thinking like uh, I was involved in a startup um a a number I've been involved in many, but like one in particular. There was a um uh it was a technology that was based around a GPS um idea. This was kind of early, early to mid two thousand, so kind of before smartphones. So there was an, an application on a GPS device that, that we were looking at building into with a group of of individuals into kind of the the realtor space. Um, that would integrate MLS data with, with you know, real-time GPS um, integration. And, and I think that there, the, the ultimately the venture kind of sputtered. We, we were able to develop licensing agreements with, with MLS. We were able to develop the software. We were able to get the um, distribution agreements um, with Garmin. Um, we weren't really able to sell it that well and and I think the the and i and i and I think we did have a hedgehog potentially um we had a unique product at the time. there's nothing really like it in the market again, this was like early kind of two thousand uh, to mid well early to mid two thousand so it was it was pretty kind of a first mover um product but but the brutal facts I think was an understanding of what it was going to take to market this. And the marketing channels that were actually going to work, how much we needed to rely on on kind of what Seth Godin talks about with tribes, and you know Malcolm Gladwell discusses about these influencers and connectors, and and you know getting social media was just kind of at the beginning and and grasping how that how we'd use it in that. Like there was just a lot, a lot of a learning lessons. The the other thing for us too is just. You know we, the founder group was trying to do a number of things at the same time um and so maybe there was some opportunity cost of our time and so I think that you know that's just that's one of them and th- there's a number of them that I've had, but like any any time I've been involved in a startup that hasn't really launched or or done as well, and maybe we lost some money at something um the I think you just kind of get caught up sometimes in in the excitement and the euphoria of of the st- of, of being a startup right and it's exciting and it's cool, cool to tell your friends and cool <laughs> to tell your family sure. you know what i mean and i'm an entrepreneur and this and that and, and uh but but you know the brutal brutal facts about what you know what is it that we sell how how do we sell it who buys it you know what are our profit margins how are we going to distribute how are we going to market uh how, how is this going to take off how are we going to like all these these detailed brutal facts, just not really understanding, um, and and spending enough time to really analyze in the yeah. context.
0: So, That's great. Yeah. Well, um, I think the principle that I want to talk about um, is from chapter two about level five leadership, mm-hmm. and it's this. He talks about different levels of leaders and managing, and he talks about you know these these big personality leaders. He calls them a level four leader. Where it's like a tyrant, tyrant with a thousand helpers, yeah. And he talks about how often those companies that were comparison companies that he's matching up in the book, that you know, when things went well, they looked in the mirror and congratulated themselves. When things went bad, they looked out the window and said, "I really got whipped these people into shape." Yeah. <clears throat> Versus what he defines a level five leader, which is when things were going well, he looked out the window and said, "What great people I have," and when mm-hmm. things were going poorly, he looked in the mirror and said, <clears throat> "Like." How can I take responsibility for this? What can I do differently to make sure this doesn't happen again? That that kind yep. of thing, right? And yep. uh, it really had an impact on on the fund that I was running at the time. And my my one partner went and actually bought little mirrors <laughs> and had <laughs> laminated <laughs> level five leader below it and stuck them on our desks. Yeah. And uh, and ultimately, when that fund didn't turn out as I would have hoped. Um, and I was at a little bit of a crisis trying to decide, do I want to run another, do I want to run another company? Do I want to go back to school again? Um, this was actually part of the influencing of me deciding to go work for a, a specific consulting firm because mm-hmm. I really felt like they they were working on helping people develop those principles. And I thought, you know, if I went and worked for them, that maybe that would turn me into the better leader for whenever I start something again. And yeah. um There's this quote in here um, where he talks about, this is on page 35, he talks about how um, he's speaking to a group, he's talking about just how vital it is to be a level five leader and he's describing it and everyone in the room is like wondering if they are a level five leader and (laughs) and more like feeling guilty that they're not and what do I do about it, right? And Mm -hmm. this woman basically gets up and says like, do you have to be a level five leader to, to really have a great company? Like, Is it mandatory? And his quote, his answer is, I don't know for certain that you absolutely must be a level five leader to make your company great, I replied. I will simply point back to the data. Of 1,435 companies that appeared in the Fortune 500 in our initial candidate list, only 11 made it through the very tough cut into our study. In those 11, all of them had level five leadership in key positions, including the CEO at the time of the pivotal transition. Yeah. And uh, I I feel like if you look at the book, I mean, you've got seven chapters of what to do. Chapters three through nine are all what to do. Mm -hmm. And it starts with this premise that when you talk about this book, I mean, the thing's sold 4 million copies. Everybody knows about it, right? Mm
1: -hmm. People
0: skim over like crazy that chapter two says, before you get to what you're doing, this is who you need to become. Yeah, And it's like, oh, that's that's hard. Can't we just skip to what to do? Um, That personal transformation, that like deep, Deep look at our blind spots of let's face it like we're all so conditioned to want to present this like cardboard cutout version of ourselves that's never made a mistake or oh yeah or the mistakes we made it was way back when we were young and stupid but now we're perfect you know yeah and uh, well,
1: this or, or even in the entrepreneurial context this projection of like a re- repeatedly failed entrepreneur you know like who who's struggling to to really get things off the ground it can be it can be really really challenging and really damaging and i think when when um uh ventures don't really get off the ground or maybe they just kind of sputter out it's so easy to look to some type of a blame it's so easy for for everyone to kind of look to indemnify themselves in a way from blame and say, well, I did what I was supposed to. And, you know, and whether we're looking at external factors the <laughs> looking out or the market, the window, looking out whatever, the window, right? Yeah. It's, it's something, but, but this level five leadership idea of just saying, no, you know what? I think I'll own it. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't do this. I didn't do a good job of, of this. And I think it's a, and I think maybe this is why we're talking about the or what Jim Collins said on the, the statistics of 1,435 companies, only 11 of them were level five. Because I, I can think of, you know, hardly the people that you run into on a day-to-day basis, how many of them are the type of people when, when something goes completely wrong, they look to themselves first before anything else. And I'm not talking about other people, blaming other people. I'm talking about, like, like external conditions, the economy, the government, you know, like this political party won, and if that political party would have, would have won instead like but but the type of person who just like, "No, I'll own this one, this is all me <laughs> you know I think that that's a powerful, powerful type of of character and i and I believe that that's the type of character, even if like eventually you're gonna you're gonna get into some real successes I, A character like that can cannot help but but fall into some or not fall into because it's not it's very intentional but cannot help but to have success over time.
0: Yeah, maybe uh, one of our other reviews will do Brian Clemmer's book, um, If How-Tos Were Enough, We'd All Be Skinny, Rich, and Happy. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. He talks about this idea of putting on the red sunglasses of, you know, take off the green sunglasses of blame, put on the red sunglasses of every situation, trying to yeah. trace it to a decision that I made that got us mm-hmm. in this situation. And it gives you the authority to change your future, right? Yep. When you take responsibility.
1: Well, listen. It, it empowers you, Yep. <clears throat>
0: Uh, I actually feel like you and I could probably do a three or four hour session on this book. Um, <laughs> I firmly consider myself a Jim Collins groupie at this point. Um, yeah. As a bit of a recap, when you think about, I, I know you've been through it more than once as have I, when you think about yeah. the value as an innovator trying to come up with something or as an entrepreneur where that thing you're trying to come up with is a business. Mm-hmm. If you were going to give the, the the one minute sales pitch on, you really got to, you really got to go through good to great at least one to ten times. What's your, what's your sales pitch?
1: The sales pitch is just in the data, because because you can't you can't BS the data. You 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 can you can look at stories and anecdotes and YouTube videos and and you know you can put inspirational music and in some type of you know feel good analysis, but that that's a I always give the metaphor to entrepreneurs that that's it's kind of like just a it's like a caffeine buzz. Mm It doesn't really it doesn't really sustain you. It's not protein. You know, it doesn't gives you that little and it might be enough to to get you out of bed and going. But honestly, if you're having a hard time getting out of bed and going, maybe entrepreneurialism is not for you anyway. (laughs) You know, you need to take a hard look at it because this is a this is a brutal industry. It's It's sexy and it's cool to tell your friends and family that you're an entrepreneur, but it's tough. It is a tough, tough industry. And so you want to equip yourself and empower yourself with with the most uh, tools to succeed. And this is protein. This is data. This is hard data of thousands of thousands of cases and learnings that were deducted from these cases. And summarized in very applicable ways. And, and, and honestly, any entrepreneur can read this book even one time and write down five points that they could immediately put into their business, right? Yeah. Level five leader. What can I do today to be a better level five leader? Confront the brutal facts. Okay, let's let's have a meeting with the founders and let's confront the top five brutal facts in our company right now and then make an immediate implementation plan of how to fix these. Like this kind of stuff that's backed by data. I think that's the best sales pitch I can give. Okay.
0: Well, I think my sales pitch is very similar. Um, <clears> that It's the kind of book you can have faith in. It's it's not just the feel-good emotion, kind of like you said. Um, for me, I feel like um, the, the benefit for me, I'm a little bit of like a uh, let's do everything kind of guy and let's do it all yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so this huge emphasis on you're going to duplicate who you are so you can't just do the right thing. You have to be the right person doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like a little bit of a, you know, it made me question myself in ways that I always give myself a pass. And I think this whole concept of the hedgehog, which we didn't really get much into of, you know, it's a, the fable. The fox has many tricks, but the hedgehog has one trick, but it works every time. Yeah. Yep. Um, this idea of, of like really doubling down on what's working, where sometimes my temptation is like that Pixar movie. With a up with a dog that's talking and then all of a sudden sees a squirrel right <laughs> yeah. I have I have yeah. those temptations um I want to do every business like Richard Branson right yeah. and um, yeah, yet yeah, I don't to want live. to I don't want to focus to get one done before I do the next one yeah and I feel like uh, man it's just really hard to read this book and go like no I can do it all at once and I can do whatever I want and I can do it any way I want and as long as I try hard enough it'll work it's like no yeah. let's look at reality. Let's see the patterns of the people who beat the odds and and learn from their patterns,
1: yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure,
0: okay, great. Any closing comments on good to great? just read it,
1: grab it, read it, get it on audible, do what you need to do don't and 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 don't just look for the shortcut, like don't like listen to the listen to the podcast and and you know but don't don't just go get the the summary of it. Take, take the time to, you know, it's it's not an overly long book. It's you know, 250, 230 pages, you know, you can do it in a couple days. Just, just go through it, read it, mark it up, make it into a manual. It's worth it and go back great. to it, but apply it, apply it for sure.
0: Well, listen, we will have links to it. Uh, if you come to the page, the show notes for this page, um, the, the good to great episode on ideationcollective.com, um, You'll have the link right there if you do want to get it. Thanks for listening. That was another installment of Book Review Fridays. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll also check out Child Rescue uh, from the menu on our website, iCollective.co. And this episode or any other episode really stood out to you or or you have a story to tell us, please email me um, at the email stories at iCollective.co. Thanks so much. Hello, I'm Joe Cordell of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. Here are a few quick divorce tips that we provide our clients. Number one, don't move out of your house just because your wife tells you to. Remember, that's your house too. And number two, don't blow through the financial statements that you file with the court. These are key exhibits, and they often make or break your case. And number three, watch the social networking. Expect your wife's lawyer to do a thorough online search. And incidentally, this is a two-way street. Now, bonus tip. Partner with your attorney in assembling evidence. You're one of the two leading experts on your life and marriage. Your attorney needs your input to achieve your goals. And finally, talk to your attorney before taking action. Good luck. Contact Cordell and
1: Cordell to schedule an appointment with one of our firm San Francisco area attorneys. A partner men can count on. Online at CordellCordell.com. Offices in San Francisco, San Mateo, and San Jose. Se habla Español. Legal services available in English and Spanish. Kimberly Llewellyn licensed in California.